1: the gates and ready to go hot my with Hunt and with row underway on this wednesday edition november has arrived it has glad you're with us across the outkick network it includes the youtube channel you can search out outkick join chad in the chat there uh, plus if you're listening to this great radio partner we say thank you for that uh, lou holtz coach lou holtz joins us in 20 minutes yeah, well, back well. on the program today Uh, Comedian Cat Tempf on the show an hour from right now. Always great. And uh, Clay Travis each and every Wednesday. uh, He joins us in hour number two. Plus, Jim Nagy of the Reese's Senior Bowl and Michael McHenry on all things World Series. Chad, good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, Hutton. It's a new month, but not necessarily a new day. How do I know that? Once again, the mind meld between you and I continue as we start a new month and virtually wear the same color shirt and without checking with each other on the same day. It just shows that... You work together long enough, you start to think the same way. Both Hutton and I woke up today, and said beige sweater, or beige long sleeve yeah, shirt in some way.
1: I woke up and um, after you know trying to uh, do some radio interviews and some other things, I decided to just grab the shirt in the uh, in the closet, and come to find out it's very similar to yours. You're
2: low maintenance. You know what I did? I grabbed this out of my closet because I was wearing this t-shirt. Oh,
1: okay. And underneath? You're
2: cold. Yeah. Was wearing that around the house this morning and decided, you know what? Maybe I'll dress it up just, just a little bit for the people. We need to up the sex appeal on this show just a <laughs> tad. I know that I, me, you know, with no sleeves on really helps, but maybe put something over just the plain white t shirt I'm wearing. So I put this on.
1: Chad, we knew uh, going into the uh, selection uh, show of the uh, the first rankings of the College Football Playoff Committee that Michigan qualified for the top four spot, right? The question was, what were they going to do, and how would they perceive all of the off-field mess that's going on with Connor Stallions? And there's more there uh, as of today, uh, thanks to Josh Pate and Pate State and Late Kick. Um, Ohio State's number one in the country. Two best wins. Uh, They're they're ahead of Georgia uh, because of their schedule. Georgia's going to have something to say about the schedule coming up as they finish things here. Michigan at three and Florida State at four. Uh, Five and six, Washington and Oregon. But what did the committee tell you about placing the Wolverines at third? Well, Hutton, it tells me that they're
2: going to be fine. It's going to be smooth sailing with that committee unless the Big Ten decides to step in. Because we said it yesterday, I wanted definitive clarity on what exactly the criteria was, the protocols in place for the college football playoff committee. And Boo Corrigan was very clear about it. He said, that is an NCAA issue. We do not factor in NCAA issues. We are only looking at what's happening on the field. I'm glad that he clearly stated that. But for anyone that is thinking about Maybe the college football playoff committee is going to factor this into their decision, or maybe it's like when you tell a juror not to, or to strike something from the record or that it didn't count, but yet they still heard it. Maybe the human factor will come in. I don't think so. I think Boo Corrigan has made it clear with everyone, the committee, we do not think at all about this scandal that has not been fully proven yet. Don't think about the allegations Don't look at the Connor Stallions photos, one of which we'll show you here a little bit later. Don't think about any of that. Only tell me what's going on on Saturdays with this team. I think that's the right approach. I think the, the main thing was to be the main thing for the committee. And that is, what are we working with here? Because we all know the main headline across the country right now. Are we able to consider that at all? And if the answer is no, the answer is no. You only look at what what's happening on the field. And I, I like that. That's not there. Yeah. – they're not one to adjudicate NCAA rules or infractions or what's going on with that. So this is the right approach to come in and say, we're only judging what's happening on the field. That's all we're going to talk about. That's all we're doing with these rankings. And I think Boot Corrigan even said it's not just getting one through four right. It's getting one through 25 correct that they're looking at every single week. So I'm glad that in, a, in an era and a world where – Things are as clear as mud at times. At least Boo Corrigan was pretty clear on what the committee is looking at in all this. Now, if you're someone that believes Michigan has gotten away with something egregious and it's giving them an unfair competitive advantage, then your last hope is that the Big Ten is pissed off enough and all 13 members other than Michigan are unanimous and able to convince their commissioner, Tony Petiti, to step in and act before the end of the season, which
1: I do not see happening. Well, they're looking at things on the field as a committee. We're doing the same thing as we see Connor Stallions or uh, believed to be Connor Stallions uh, on the sideline for Central Michigan in uh, what surfaced yesterday from the, uh, the September 1st uh, matchup with CMU on the road at Michigan State. He's decked out in uh, CMU gear and wearing the hat, sunglasses on a, a night game at Michigan State. And as, as Josh Pate points out on social with the video, and we're showing a screenshot here. Uh, Pate points out the blue dots on those shades, wearing those shades well past sunset, and the blue dot is a flashing blue dot, and it appears to be the the three hundred dollar Ray Bans with the the camera on the top right corner of the of the lens of the of the shades. Chad, it there's other uh, screenshots that were posted of the of the video from the FS1 broadcast where he's carrying a clipboard on the sideline. And I think it's also uh, important to note that... Can we zoom in on that clipboard?
2: That's what I'd like to see. You've got to have someone that's got the ability to pixelate that thing well enough where we can read exactly what's on the clipboard.
1: And and, and, uh, Apparently, it's nothing on the clipboard, at least in that point. Maybe
2: this is pregame.
1: And Here's the other thing to point out. So you've got Central Michigan gear on all of the staff, right? He's got the visitor staff uh, for the sideline pass everyone's wearing adidas this guy's wearing nike shoes i mean again the details matter here and it, again we're reacting to every detail that surfaces with this story and it continues to all kind of bubble up to the surface level of this where it's it's obvious what's going on and it's just more than standing on the sideline and being with a, a recruiting coordinator and you know a Michigan, former Michigan staffers that are now with Central Michigan, who played last night, by the way, and won. Chad, you got what appears to be the video going on with the with the sunglasses too. Where does this end? And if this is just the beginning, I can't wait to see where we are two or three weeks from now with this story and the depths at which they went to obtain information.
2: I don't think it's ending with Michigan. I think there's going to be way more programs implicated in in all of this, whether it's a South Carolina who took whatever they illegally got in terms of uh, signals, whether it's more central Michigan's out there that allowed Connor stallions on their sideline to help scout or to help them with an opponent that that opponent losing would help Michigan Um, Connor stallions is a paid mercenary, it looks like. Uh, I don't know how often he was in Ann Arbor or if he was simply some foreign intel officer sent abroad to go and do the dirty work of Michigan football, however, would help them across the country and infiltrated multiple programs doing so. That's what it looks like right now. Uh, This Central Michigan piece is damning for both Connor Stallions and Central Michigan. I don't buy Jim McElwain's explanation. It was sort of a half-hearted explanation also. Hutton, I think this is going to end with other programs implicated in this and not just Michigan. And the big basis for all of this and the thing I keep coming back to, what does that third-party law firm have? What technological information, data do they have on on Michigan, on Connor Stallions? What do they have in their possession? Because it was enough that when they handed it over to the NCAA and the Big Ten, the NCAA within a week, Was on Michigan's campus interviewing every member of their staff.
1: Because they they had a paid staffer on other campuses doing this with a a body of evidence that is undeniable. Uh, Jim McElwain, head coach at Central Michigan, trying to uh, act like at the podium that they're they're investigating who this was on his sideline for week one at Michigan State.
3: Now, before
2: we go any farther, We've obviously are aware of a picture floating around with the the sign stealer guy. um, You know, our people are doing everything they can to get to the bottom of it. Uh, We're unaware, totally unaware of it. Uh, I certainly don't condone it uh, in any way, shape or form. And uh, you know, I do know that his name was on none of the passes that were let out. now we just keep tracing it back and tracing it back and try to figure it out. But it's in good hands with our people. Um, and again, uh, you know, there, there's there's no place in football for
1: that. Isn't it amazing, Chad? The head coach is just totally unaware of what what's going on. No idea. No idea who's on their sideline. Uh,
2: I can tell you that we had no one of that name on on the pass list that day. If your name, if your God given name is Connor Stallions,
1: what is your made up alias? Charles well, Buffalo? I don't even what know. What is he going with on the sideline? I don't even know if you need an alias. Uh, this is
2: Chip Stallone. This is a buddy of mine from college. He's going to be here. He's a big Chippewas fan. We got him in complete coaching gear for the game tonight. Just here to watch. Don't worry about that, that blue laser coming out of his sunglasses he's wearing in pitch black here at night in, in Lansing, Michigan. Don't worry about any of that. But we don't know, have any idea who he is. But just know his name is Chip Stallone, and he's here on the sideline. There may what not a be joke. a
1: name on the pass. It may just say VS or for visitor sideline with some extra passes handed out to the university now, based on what they're doing over there.
2: Here is one that um, I, I don't know of any pro- – well, no, they were around each other at the same time at Michigan, McIlwain and, um, and Stallions, I think. They crossed paths at least for one season. But the only possible alibi for McElwain is what you just said, Hutton. That one of his staffers, an assistant coach who he doesn't know about, just handed the guy the pass with no name and said, "Come on, you know, help us out." And he was, I guess, completely unaware of who was right next to his coaches on the sideline during the game. Uh, we, We talked to someone, and Hutton. I know you've you've worked sidelines NFL. Um, I've, I've been at high school football games on the sideline. And if you're getting in the middle of the action, someone's going to ask what you're doing,
1: but his, so that pass gives you access from the 30 yard line to the end zone. And, And so, uh, when you see these, where he's standing, I mean, the, the offensive line coach and the recruiting coordinator coming down to that corner of the, the team area standing next to him. So he can't go to the middle. He can't go to the fifty-yard line with that pass. Technically, um, I'm sure they have another pass they could have handed him. But to act like they don't know who this guy is is uh, laughable. Laughable. It's it, it just is, uh, just to think that uh, you know uh, you've got Harbaugh who doesn't know anything about this.
2: Well, there are so many there, parts this of this. This guy's on the Michigan I, sideline I, too. By the way, you know we already know that. you know, Everybody, oh, sign stealing happens everywhere. But okay, yes in the game, in the stadium, right? just like a, a runner at second base looking back at the catcher trying to get a sign, that's happened in baseball forever. And if you're able to pick up on them, great. Th- that's what happens in the game. But it's a far cry from that to going to other stadiums and filming things and then gathering that intel and going back and then helping out not only your program but possibly others. Well,
1: there's no way that not That would help your program. CMU in that instance, of right? Of
2: course. And here's here's where I'm going with this. Like we know that sign stealing has led to crazy signs being shown during the game. Five different signal callers during the game. Huge black curtains going up behind the signal callers. <laughs> yeah. We see this with multiple teams across college football. What the hell is going to go on now? A security sweep? Uh, A program secret service agent that has to go and check every pass and do a retinal scan of everyone on the sideline during a game? Because if I'm seeing this, this isn't the only time. He didn't just go to watch the Chippewas play Michigan State. He's been on other sidelines, and I'm willing to bet more photos or info will come out about that Hutton. But think about the level of paranoia of football coaches and how that is going to get amped up to the nth degree and they are going to be super conscious of everyone on their sideline, not because they're allowing something like this to happen, but because they fear the other team is in cahoots with one of their rivals and something like this could be happening.
1: But so, so here's the thing. Is it conceivable that head coaches don't know every person on their sideline? Yes, yes. What's, what's not believable is that Connor Stallions is decked out in Central Michigan gear and he's on their sideline with a visitor pass. Um, Chad, how did we get on the sideline at College Station for the game? You were there for the field storming. Yeah, Billy Lucci. Was your name on the pass? No. No. But that's my point. Like, you can get field access and you have the same access that he was, he was in. But the difference is you're not in team issued gear yeah. while doing so while working well, at also a different stealing university.
2: Yeah, but while working while at a different university
1: there. with Michigan playing the next day. Like, that's what they can't explain. I am surprised. McElwain's that Saban acting like he doesn't know, but I mean, that's what he can't explain. He's in team issued gear. I'm surprised that
2: Sabin didn't have me checked over there when I was down there without a name on my pass on the opposite sideline. I mean, yeah, I, it's it's all very suspicious. Uh, it's one thing to say, okay, here's a guy in street clothes. That's right. kind of close to my coaches, probably With a buddy, or whatever. probably the parent or a, a big brother of a recruit or whatever. You've got, you know, a thousand people around the, the field on game days. You're not thinking much of it. But if I'm the head coach and I look down and I see Jonathan Hutton suddenly dressed just
1: like all the rest of my staff, right. I am thinking, who's that guy who's again? Who's this dude? Right, Exactly. In sunglasses? That stands out more than just the average person on the sideline to me.
2: They're going to investigate, though. Don't worry, they're guys. They're really looking into it. Jim McElwain and Central Michigan's athletic department, which probably consists of about eight people, they're <laughs> on the investigation right now.
1: You know, the AD's very busy.
2: Again, if they come back and anybody claims that's not Connor Stallions or that you know it's some sort of deep fake, which is ludicrous at this point, but who knows, because Central Michigan won't confirm anything that it's him and no media outlet will just come right out and say that's definitively him, and Michigan certainly isn't going to talk about an ongoing investigation. You know what
1: confirms it, though, to me: Michigan State has known about this and has been communi- in communication with this investigation from this angle for several weeks, according to that report. So e- even they were aware after the fact about what was going. I mean, how on.
2: miserable do you feel right now if you're Michigan State? You're <laughs> terrible. Your coach was under sexual harassment investigation internally during that game. In title Nine. Yeah, he's out. And the whole time, you've been violated by a spy from Michigan during the Central Michigan game. Uh, One of the two games that you've won this
1: year. Yeah, at least they won while Connor Stallings was trying to help Central Michigan win. Coach Lou Holtz weighs in on Michigan and the college football playoff rankings. Next.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever.
1: Sixth and Peabody, our location with IH Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hudden Withrow across the Outkick Network. Pleased to be joined by Coach Lou Holtz, a legend, absolutely. Coach, how are you?
3: Well, oh, I've been better, but I'm going to be 87 in another month, so I'm blessed. You're you're,
2: you're doing well, sir, for, no, for
1: 87. We appreciate you hopping on with us. No doubt. Uh, hey, what what do you make of the initial college football playoff rankings? Ohio State one and. Michigan at three and how difficult would it be for you to not consider what's going on with Michigan with the sign stealing off campus, Connor Stallions, and that entire saga when evaluating where they are and what type of team they have?
3: Well, I, I don't think Ohio State's the best team in the country right now, but that'll be ascertained because they do play Michigan. They did have the opportunity to, to beat Penn State. Uh, I, I find it a, deplorable about what the rumors are going around. I, I did coaching a long time ago. And I first started out, I would be a scout. I would go scout the other team. Then they said, no scouting. You can't go. We're going to change the video film for it. So there had not been any scouting for years. And uh, I'm all for any advantage you can get legally. But to take the film of the opposing uh, sideline, and you know, there's a video on uh on different channels where it will show the Michigan players looking at the Ohio state bet. And then they all turn once they get the signal. So I, I just think it's deplorable. I think it's bad. I think they should definitely get to the bottom of it before they decide who's going to play for the national championship.
2: Yeah. And that, that's kind of my question, coach is, you know, you, you've been uh, at a school that's independent like Notre Dame. You've been a part of conferences also, and you know the power that conferences can have, this is a case where if something's going to happen to Michigan, if they have a ton of evidence on it, if it's going to happen now, it's probably going to have to come down from the Big Ten office and not the NCAA because we know how long the NCAA takes to, to rule on anything. What do you think of the idea of the Big Ten office stepping in if there's enough evidence and doing something to Michigan this year that would affect their playoff chances?
3: I think they have definite proof. I don't think you can do it on allegation, but if you have definite proof, then I definitely think that something should be done. It's unfair to the other team that are operating by the certain rules.
1: Coach Lou Holtz with us. How do head coaches stand there and say they don't know about this? They had nothing, they had no knowledge of what Connor Stallions was allegedly doing and uh, apparently on video doing uh, in real time on a Central Michigan sideline?
3: I I figure that's hard to believe. I mean, if somebody is, you're sending somebody out, he visited, I don't know, 30-some games, filmed the other sideline, and your team reacts to it. Now, Michigan is good enough. I mean, they're very well coached. I think they're the best team in the country right now. But there's no way that could go on without everybody in the organization knowing it's part of it. I mean, what, what good does that knowledge do if you don't share it with your team? even though it's illegal.
1: Why is Ohio State not the number one team in the country in your eyes?
3: I, I don't think they're the best team. I think they're a very good football team. Uh, I I saw them play in person against uh, Notre Dame. I don't think they run the ball well enough to be a great football team. I happen to coach at Ohio State. I was raised in the state of Ohio. I worked for Woody Hayes. We won the national championship at Ohio State. But, we were able to be physical and run the football. Now, defensively, they're really doing a good job. To defend against the spread offense, you have to be able to play man coverage on the wide receivers, which Ohio State can do. You have to be able to get a pressure of the four-man rush, which they can do somewhat. And you have to be able to tackle the in an open field. I think defensively, Ohio State had been a little bit limited in previous years. I think they're a championship defensive team. They throw the ball very, very well. I think Harrison's the best receiver I've seen in a long time, but I don't believe they run the ball well enough. Uh, three times against Notre Dame, they had third and one, or excuse me, fourth and one and did make it. Then they had time to run one play. They had a half a yard to gain. They ran the ball, and then they had to do a video replay to make sure that he scored, and Notre Dame only had 10 players on the field. Notre Dame's not one of the four best teams in the country. They're a very, very good football team, but I just don't think they're the best team. I think it you, every week you have a different football team. Make no mistake about it. You're going to tell me it was the same Louisville team that beat Notre Dame and ended up losing the pit, or, or you're going to tell me that you just have a different team every single week. And Ohio State's a very good football team. I don't think they're a great team.
2: Coach, where is Georgia in all this to you? Because kind of like Michigan, the schedule's not been that strong so far. The the meat of their schedule is coming up, but Georgia doesn't have an Ohio State on the schedule left uh, the way Michigan does. But here they are, back-to-back national champions. They can run the football. They've got that defense. They're second in the first playoff ranking. W- what do you see with that Bulldog team?
3: I, I thought the big question mark I had coming in, with uh, Georgia was two things. Number one is complacency. It's very difficult to repeat, let alone to repeat. That was one. The other question I had was who the quarterback would be. Their quarterback is playing pretty well. They're a very good football team. Uh, I think Kirby Smart has taken the same game plan that Nick Saban has used at Alabama. He's recruited very well, has good coaching staff, uh, good fundamentals. They play very, very well. But it's something when you say, well, the ACC doesn't play a very good schedule. I will say this now. They they have been impressive in the games where they've had to be. They still have Missouri to go, uh, and they're going to have to meet Alabama in the championship game. And that may not be as easy to think if Milho keeps playing as well as he has the last couple of games.
2: Coach, you mentioned Pitt earlier. I, I want to ask you about some of the statements made by, by coaches and how – you would approach these similar situations throughout the course of your career. Pat Narduzzi, after a difficult loss to Notre Dame, says, hey, uh, we're going to try to replace a lot of good players, and we didn't do that uh, with this team, clearly. And then goes on to say, it's on me first and foremost, but kind of the players aren't good enough. Dion Sanders says, you know, asks, what do you do about the offensive line? He says, well, you go get new offensive linemen. Uh, that, that's what we do. Uh, Mike Loxley had things to say about the lack of execution from his players. When talking to the media as a head coach, what was always your approach? And what do you think is acceptable for the head coach to say and unacceptable in terms of when they talk about individual players?
3: Well, just my my basic philosophy, and I tried to adhere to it all the time. I may not have. But don't criticize your football team. Don't throw them under the bus. Don't, don't bitch and moan about at at halftime. They still have a half to go. Don't put them down. Uh, people, first thing they're going to do, they're going to criticize the coach. They're going to criticize the quarterback. Then they're going to criticize the athletic director or the president of the university. But don't be negative about your players. You're the ones that picked them. Life's a matter of choices. You chose those players. You chose your staff. You chose what offense, what defense you're going to run. Just accept it and move on. But there's no sense in picking on an athlete or throwing them under the bus. I think Deion Sanders done a wonderful job. I think his son is a quarterback is really an excellent quarterback who'll play well in the NFL. But don't don't throw your team under the bus.
1: How obvious? Make, oh, sorry. Go it's ahead. Any better, Coach Lou Holtz, with us? How obvious is the frustration? boiling up for Davo Sweeney at Clemson uh, where he's getting after the callers on his coaches show saying hey if you can do better apply for the job and pointing to the resume which has been great uh, despite the criticism he's feeling from the vocal minority of Clemson fans pointing to the four losses and now what will be three straight years of not reaching the playoff
3: well I shared my beliefs with uh, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer I should have shared them with Demu Sweetie. I have a lot of respect for him, but you reach a situation. We reached it, at Notre Dame, and Kirby Smart is going to reach it at Georgia in the very near future. When you had success, you get the expectations get out of hand, and there's no way in this world where you can celebrate a win. When you win a game, wow, it's a relief. We didn't lose. Well, we didn't win big enough, and all those other. It's just a relief. When you're coming up and you have a big win, everybody's excited. That's a great feeling. But you don't have that feeling once you reach championship stand. And then losing is a disaster. Once you lose a football game, your whole team its just absolutely. And so that's where coaching loses its fun. The relationship with the players, great relationship with the alumni. No matter what you do, it's not going to be good enough. And you're not going to be as good as what they should be, et cetera. And they're going to find every fault. And you just have to close ranks, close your ears, march on.
1: When it's all said and done, it's in early December. Washington, Oregon, Texas, Bama are one of those teams in the college football playoff based on where the, the rankings are currently in your mind?
3: I think one of them can be and should be. And the reason I say that is because. You know, Florida State may lose a football game. Michigan may be called on the carpet. Uh, who knows about Georgia, Alabama, Center But I, I think that uh, for the first time, the Pac-12 is going to have a team in the championship hunt, and I think it will be either be Washington or Oregon. I think both of them are outstanding football games. I thought it was one of the best football games I've seen when those two played. The league changed six different times. Lo and behold, Oregon with Bo Nix marched down the field. They're down by three. They're on about the 35-yard line right before the goal. But the guy missed a field goal. Had he made the field goal, they'd gone into overtime as it should have been, and the game was at, at University of Washington. I think Bo Nix has done a tremendous job. What's really amazing, almost all the top teams have transfer quarterbacks. I think it's, what, 40-some teams have transfer quarterbacks in the, in the that's in uh, college football. You you look at uh, Bo Nix, it uh, happens to be at uh, Oregon. You look at uh, Michael Penick, who came from Indiana. Bo Nix came from Auburn. You look at uh, Sam Bradford, who came from uh, Wake Forest. Is, is it Notre Dame? And the list goes on and on. And I think it's going to really end up hurting. I think the transfer portal really is going to hurt college football. Because same reason, I don't follow baseball. I used to follow baseball. I get in the starting lineup, the Indians at 48 and 54. I don't follow anymore because it changes. Guys with this team one year and, there and another, the quarterback at Rice, Daniels, I think, started as a freshman Southern Cal. As a sophomore, started Georgia as a junior, started West Virginia. And this year, he's starting for Rice. That's that's not right. What you learn, you pick a college because that's where you want to get your education up, and, and, and you you learn to persevere, to wait your turn, to prove, to get ready and be ready to go. Uh, we had a quarterback, Kevin McDougal, played behind uh, Rick Meyer for three years. The so senior year he came in, and played. We went twelve of one, I think. It he did a tremendous job, but
1: it prepares you for life hard to keep up with. Lou Holtz is certainly capable of keeping up with all the movement uh, across college football. I can't help but ask, Coach, uh, you're wearing the Masters Augusta National gear. You're a member at Augusta National, uh, one of the most exclusive golf clubs in the world, if not the most. Uh, everybody wants that story of how you receive an invite. What was it like getting the call, and how did you receive the invitation of, to be one of the 300 members?
3: Well, I was... Uh I was having dinner with the chairman, and uh, he said, uh, Coach, he said, uh, uh, you can't say anything, but in two months, we're going to send you an invitation to be a member of Augusta. I never expected to be a member. It's one of the most prominent things. I've never talked much about it. The only publicity they want for Augusta is for the tournament, and our chairman is a spokesman for all of us. But I wrote an autobiography, never mentioned that as a member of Augusta, but I'll say this also. It's a one-year invitation. And when they first had set it up, they didn't want to turn anybody down for invitation. So it would be by invite only. They didn't want it for membership, so that would be by invite. And you have to be there with the members. So it's, uh, there are two places that are better on the inside to proceeds on the outside. One of them is Augusta, and the other one is Notre Dame. And both their mottos are... Constant improvement. They don't ever talk about what we do well. They talk about what can we do to improve to make us better. And that's not a bad philosophy. That I have. So I feel very blessed and fortunate. I have received uh, the, the, the Medal of Freedom. Uh, I have uh, been blessed to be in Hall of Fame. I've been blessed to uh, receive awards. But being Augustus, probably as big as any you can have.
1: It, uh, television does not do it justice. Uh, it's that, simply, put, nice. simply put. Yeah. Unbelievably
3: uh, nice. But got a brag. in 2005, with my partner uh, Ford Scott Ford, we won the member member. You go to a guest. I'm on the board forever. That I won it in 2005. My goal was always to shoot by weight. Then my goal was to learn to shoot by age, which I've done both. of. Now I'm trying to shoot my IQ, which is a lot lower than my age. <laughs> uh,
1: hey, uh, always great to catch up with you. Thank you for the perspective today. And uh, hopefully we can do this again soon, Coach.
3: Well, if we don't, it'll be because you don't invite me. All right.
1: We'll, we'll have you back in on. Mind.
3: Thank you so much, Coach. i just kidding. You, thank you for having yeah. me. Have a good day now.
1: Thank you, Coach. Coach Lou Holtz there. Love that man. Always great. Always great. And uh, perspective there on Michigan off the field. He sides with us on that chat
2: yeah yeah he's very much uh, against and wants something to happen if there's proof right now
1: yeah that's right coming up primary complaint plus coaching decisions being made in the nfl that's next right here on hot mic Our thanks to Lou Holtz for joining us, and our thanks to Six and Peabody for hosting us. beer, Old smoky Moonshine, my with Edna Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Primary complaint just around the corner here Always in a couple a of minutes. Always a party here at Sixth and Peabody, every day. Yeah, that's right. I didn't uh, see the crowd for Halloween last night. I'm sure it was uh, big here with the costumes. Chad? Yeah, I don't know what people we've, do on We've actual, aged out of that, though. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: I don't think anybody... The only thing that happens on a weeknight for Halloween is trick-or-treating. All the adults hunt and get oh, out I'm, the Saturday before. Maybe so. I think all the young people hit their parties on the weekend leading into Halloween. And then a Tuesday night, Halloween had, is just for trick-or-treating. here
1: had a huge party last night. Last night? Yeah.
2: Probably because no one was coming out, is my point.
1: No, I'm saying when they got off work.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When I left here, there was about four people in here. I think oh, okay. everybody
1: left to go trick-or-treating. trick-or-treating.
2: Saturday night was the big night here at 6th and Peabody and everywhere else. It's always big. That's where everybody gets out downtown, wherever your downtown is, and they're wearing
1: costumes. Uh, a big night last night for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Mark Davis uh, and, uh, and crew deciding to get rid of Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, their general manager, their offensive coordinator, uh, Lombardi and uh, Mick Lombardi, and they're also benching Jimmy Garoppolo in favor of Aiden O'Connell, giving him the start moving forward. Um, A lot of movement there. It was inevitable based on the way that the team had been playing and the investment made uh, with McDaniels and Ziggler both having the perspective of, let's throw in a ton of money on the roster. Let's go and try to create a winner immediately, and it crashed and burned expectations versus results and what happened in detroit ends up being the death nail for mcdaniel's as he has now uh failed again as a head coach in the nfl back to being a coordinator where he's very good
2: i well he's very good for bill belichick as his offensive coordinator um I don't think he's got a big track record anywhere else. He was
1: good with Garoppolo when Brady wasn't there. He was good. I mean, he was... All with, all with the Patriots, though, right? He
2: doesn't have a track record of doing anything with any other right. organization. Um, he's been awful as a head coach. Yes. I, I just, you know, all this stuff about Brady with Belichick or Belichick with Brady and Belichick without Brady. I mean, is there another example of a coach who's been just horrendous with any other opportunity? Other than under the wings of Bill Belichick, than Josh McDaniels. It's crazy how bad he's been. I mean, Bill O'Brien left and had some success at Penn State, had some success with the Texans, eventually failed, but uh, it, time takes its course and you got to go somewhere else. Went to Alabama, did well, well, then got back with the Patriots. I just, Josh was, McDaniels is an odd case from a coaching standpoint.
1: Mac Jones went to the Pro Bowl and went to the playoffs with Josh McDaniels as the O.C.'s rookie year. With the Patriots. Right.
2: All of but, his success only comes to the Patriots, though. Once he goes out on his own, I, I mean, wh- where, where's his quarterback success as a head coach?
1: That's, working he's with not someone, a good head coach. Yeah, it's, it's crazy no, how not,
2: bad he's been. And I, I guess he goes right back to New England? Um, possibly, I, but Bill O'Brien's there
1: now. You know? That's what's weird. I, I
2: don't know. It's just, it's just odd. It's odd that he's that bad. It's not odd to see a coordinator go somewhere and fail as a head coach. It's odd to see it work out this poorly now,
1: what we've seen from McDaniels twice. And we haven't seen Jimmy Garoppolo lose a ton of games uh, when he's the starter. It's not like he plays great. You know, no one's putting Jimmy G in the elite category, but he does win as the starting quarterback, and they weren't winning enough, and he was banged up again. That's, he's either going to be uh, on the sideline injured or he's going to be starting and winning 70% of his starts, right? That wasn't the case this year. And he just signed a three-year, $72 million contract with the Raiders uh, this past offseason. And, I mean, it wasn't franchise quarterback-type money, but you reach a certain level as the QB and then you restructure and you get that type of money moving forward. That's not happening either. Uh, they're moving in favor of Aidan O'Connell, who uh, their coaches, off the record, saying to reporters that he's just the better quarterback. And with Devontae Adams and other options in that, in that offense, it should have gone a lot better than what it did. And bringing Josh Jacobs back, knowing what he can do in the run game and what they should be doing in the run game, nothing was working with any consistency.
2: They've got legit stars on that team. And it, it never came together. And I think it's probably headed towards Devontae Adams, maybe his last year with the Raiders. Could be. And a full reset with a new coach. Chad, who's the odds-on favorite already? Vegas favorite, not just the the Vegas favorite for Vegas head coach, Jim Harbaugh right now, the betting favorite to be the next head coach of the Vegas Raiders.
1: This is now the third offseason, what will be the third offseason in a row where he's the betting favorite for a job that's open during the regular season.
2: That fits perfectly with the Raider mentality, given Jim Harbaugh's now checkered history with the rules at Michigan. That fits in perfectly with what, they, oh, and what they've about, been about.
1: Think about Mark Davis not wanting to fire John Gruden. Remember this? Oh, yeah. For, it, it, they force his hand, and he ends up hiring McDaniels. Now, with the NFL saying that uh, the reports from uh, NFL media with Rappaport – saying, hey, it's not just a foregone conclusion that Harbaugh can just jump into the NFL and become a head coach. It won't necessarily be a, a safe harbor for him. Would they enact the, the bylaws of uh, being, uh, reaching the criteria set forth based on whatever the guy has done in college uh, to where he wouldn't qualify to be hired as a head coach in the NFL? That's what was cited in the report, that that could reach I- that level. By by the Raiders wanting to hire him, would it change the perception is what I mean, based on what happened with Gruden?
2: I think it's odd that the NFL would do that, would would hold all their teams or whoever hires someone to that rule. Um, I understand the integrity of the game and how online sports betting is so prevalent now across football, and the NFL is very serious about that. And the allegations against Jim Harbaugh are pretty serious, given the extent of it. So I, I get all that. I just have a hard time believing they're going to actually honor that with every team, um, especially Mark Davis, who that is a renegade organization. Just bring John Gruden back if you want, if you felt like your hand was forced last time. There's another option for the Raiders. won't happen, but, I mean, if you're going to go hire a renegade coach,
1: you could go for, go back to John Gruden if you felt like he was the best option. Now Mark Maskey of the Washington Post saying about the uh, not being a safe harbor uh, speaking with uh, someone within the NFL, it could be a consideration, uh, but the uh, the source said and others cautioned to Maskey, it would not be a definite that the NFL would honor any such suspension. Another person said it might be quote unquote a stretch to believe the NFL would fully honor any NCAA suspension for Harbaugh. The NFL officially declined to comment. Yeah, on it this.
2: feels like a stretch to me that they would do that. I well, get that they got a good working relationship right now with it does. college football. Because college football is their natural minor league system, and maybe they want to help them out in that way. But if a billionaire owner really wants Jim Harbaugh to be their coach, and he's going to hire them to coach his NFL team or her NFL team, I, I don't see the NFL stepping in to stop that with some suspension because of what happened in college.
1: And not based on the information we have now. No. Right. And and the, the coach that was a part of Spygate well, is still employed. If this continues to, to be saying. handled
2: by the NCAA and no one else steps up, so Harbaugh's going to leave, he's going to go coach somewhere else, and it's going to take a year, year and a half or more for the NCAA to do anything. So he's going to be fine for a while. It might be a full season into his NFL career yeah. with his new team, with the Raiders or whoever else, the Maybe commanders, so. before the NCAA decides anything if everyone leaves it up to the NCAA. It's on the Big Ten now. Ball's in their court if they've got the evidence they need to act. I, I don't think they will, but they could if they wanted.
1: Uh, so we mentioned Garoppolo bench, Aiden O'Connell in as the starter. Uh, another quarterback change officially. Uh, Taylor Heineke will get the start for Atlanta. Desmond Ritter to the bench for Arthur Smith's team. It is time for Primary Complaint. Complain, it's time to air our top grievance
0: of the week.
1: Uh, you can complain all you want.
3: My
2: job is so unfulfilling. Complain, Run away from your feelings. It's time for a Hot Mike's primary complaint.
1: Guys, my primary complaint this week is not the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks had Flava Flav sing the National Anthem recently. It's the fact that Flava Flav was singing the National Anthem (laughs) in full costume. I'll call it the costume. With the hat on. Take your damn hat off if you're singing the National Anthem. That's my primary complaint.
2: Man, flavor Flav, still rocking the huge uh, clock around the neck, though, every time. Uh, My primary complaint this week, nothing is built to last anymore. There is an entire industry on getting you hooked on something that is made to be destroyed within a year or two, maybe five years, maybe ten years. But nothing's built to last. Hutton's pointed this out. He broke the news on this. He was the whistleblower. Apple puts updates in your phone that slowly devolves the phone to a point that you got to go buy a new phone from Apple. I would prefer paying more money for a product that lasts forever or lasts a long time. I would prefer the people that I'm having to pay regularly now to come to my house and repair things to instead be put to work to make more money on creating an, I don't know, an HVAC unit, let's say, that I spent money on this morning to repair to spend money on an HVAC unit that lasts longer than the 10 years since I've built my house. I'd love for a washer and dryer to function properly when I spent top dollar for it eight years ago. Instead of having to pay for a new one or pay for repairs. Let's take the money from the repair industry. Because every product that's made right now sucks. Let's take that repair industry money, pay those people to be engineers. And then help them devise products that last longer than five to ten years or in some cases six months to a year i would gladly pay the premium for those products instead of still paying top dollar for something that's going to break within five to ten years that you have to have in your home this is my primary complaint chad i would say look on the bright side your phone still works my phone is its an engineering marvel that I stuck with this iPhone Seven. The Romans
1: S love this iPhone. Because
2: this thing, that this may be the one thing. When I talk to you know, whoever made my HVAC unit, at end, I'll show them this phone and say, this is what I want from you with well, the next one. This phone here, I've had in my pocket for a decade, and nothing has happened to this thing once. I need this
1: type of engineering. We can't even uh, have a dome anymore for 25 years. We have to build a new one stadiums aren't built like they used to. (laughs) I don't know if you guys
2: have seen this too. The economy, not great right now. The cost of things are higher than they've ever been. So having to spend money on tons of repairs all at once, not a good thing. It's got me a little pissed off. Yeah, inflation's not great. Uh, Guys, for my primary complaint, there's a
0: fox in my neighborhood. And I, I didn't realize the fox was in my neighborhood until last Saturday night. And I noticed this because... I woke up at 3 a.m. and I thought there was somebody being murdered outside the house. Like, I'll I, I, be honest, I was drinking a little bit before. I went to bed that night. So, wake up in my drunken stupor and I literally get dressed because I don't know what is happening around the house. Like, I'm, I'm the only one there. And I, I, I come outside, like open the door, uh, and the fox then runs across the street. But the sound it was making, I've never heard a fox make this sound. And... I mean, I've just never in my life gotten up at the point where I get fully dressed in the middle of the night like something is actually going to—actually, I take that back. That's another story for another day. But um, it's just one of those things where it's like I'm just trying to have a nice sleep, and the next thing you know, somebody's being murdered outside my house, but it just happens to be an animal. And the fact that my sleep was— Ruined, uh, that's my primary complaint.
2: Davey, you should get one of those red jackets and the black hats and have a trumpet and be on horseback like the really rich people that go on fox hunts. That's how you impress the single moms in your neighborhood if you be a rich fox hunter within your neighborhood. uh, That'll get the people going.
1: My parents on the farm, they have two foxes that live underneath this barn. Um, And at first, they didn't want them there, and then they realized the fox was keeping the coyote away from the cattle. So it's actually... But the fox field. does we,
2: serve its purpose.
0: Well, uh, but yeah. but they
1: they've said this too. It's like a scream. Oh yeah, you know it's not a. a but well, when I was a
0: kid, we had two Arctic foxes, and I, uh, like they never made that
2: sound. Well, they were never afraid. You had an Arctic <laughs> fox in East Tennessee. Yeah, it's a long story. Oh, we I a mean, pet? my dad
0: had it. Yeah, we had two ar- Arctic foxes as so, pets. Fix vixen. Uh, is it fox or foxes? Thoxics. I don't know.
1: We gotta get a break. They also had uh, alligators as we well. We gotta get,
2: gotta get more into this for the break. Cat Temp
1: is next.